Welcome to Rogue Bogues. This is episode 56 of the Basketball Series. Myself, Andrew Bogan and Mike Procopio. What is news over there, Pro? Bogues, how is the flood situation, by the way, out in your, your neck of the woods? Yeah, it's, it's getting a little bit better. It's, it's dried out where I am um, up north, but um, there's a town called Lismore that really, really copped it. It's, it's the remnants of mud and debris is all left over, so they're, um, they're in all sorts trying to clean up and everything. And the... Uh, the feds, our feds have been a little behind the eight ball. They haven't really sent much out. They've sent the army out now, and there's been some footage of the army cleaning up while recording themselves cleaning up pro. So they're making sure that everyone knows they're there and they do some PR while they're down there, which is not I – don't, I don't agree with that. I think if you're going to help, you just go to help. You don't do it as a PR exercise. But they're getting the help they need slowly, but it's, it's taken probably a little bit longer than it should have pro, so that's always disappointing. Bogues, what, what person on the planet – doesn't try to be a total media mogul and, and think that they're like, you know, most popular person on earth and, and needs to put everything on social media. I'd say 97% of the world population is like that now. Everything has to be on. Yeah, but look, cu- country people are a little bit different. They, you know, they don't really want the publicity. The locals don't. Um, there's been a few people where the media have tried to interview and they've refused interviews. That They're there to help. They're not there to waste time doing interviews. So when you go down there and do that, they don't they don't take it kindly, right? They think it's you're down there for the wrong reasons. Um, you know, that that 20 minutes you're on camera, you could have been doing something else. And, and look, you want to raise awareness of what's going on. That's, that's the media's job. But I think boots on ground, you know, I agree with them to an extent. Um, but... Yeah, it is. It's just everyone wants their clout and their moment and their shine, and that's just the unfortunate reality we're living in, pro. But uh, hopefully, I'll try to arrange something down there, basketball wise, and you know, the coming months, um, you know, hopefully, try to get down there and, and and try to help out that community. I think I'm in the works of trying to figure something out down there, so we'll see see how that goes. Perfect. All right, let's get rolling. Now, pro, we hit one million listens, so. My 44 different serious podcasts that you give me shit about. 36, we've, but we've, go ahead. Yeah, we've, 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 hit, we've gone apart, we've surpassed a million actually because it didn't include Ooh. YouTube numbers and a few other numbers. So we're doing well and a lot of people out there, you know, appreciate everyone supporting us, the hate, the love, whatever it is. Um, we're starting to get a little bit of a following, which is good. And the more people you can share this to, the better. And um, I think people appreciate the brutal honesty from both of us and not being kind of too full of ourselves we we do swear at times we do say controversial things and uh, i don't think we're we're too scared of that pro so decent milestone along the way no no doubt i i saw one of the tweets you had um on, on one of the snippets of the show and literally the whole thing was beeped out so i might have to like scale back a little bit because <laughs> no one's gonna understand what i'm saying anyway but like there was like three words out of like 90 seconds of film so i might have to scale back so people could at least know what we're talking about well, how do you think Steve feels who edits, uh, edits the podcast that he, uh, you know, he has to try to find four or five clips each episode. So that, that sometimes takes him four hours to try and get a, a 60 second space that doesn't have F-bombs and, and whatever else you're throwing out, pro. Good point. He's like, 
the girl from Zero Dark Thirty trying to find Bin Laden on a weekly basis, trying to find stuff yeah. that I don't swear on. It's a mirage. It's a mirage. <laughs> but anyway, let's get rolling basketball-wise. Um, thanks for joining us again. Once again, cannot thank everyone enough for listening and sharing. And even I see a lot of you out there sending us stats, useful and useless, sending us fact or fake news um, statements. So we really appreciate it. Keep it coming. Team of the week. We didn't do it last week. We did it this week. Um, look, there was a lot of honourable mentions this week, pro for me. Um, I hope you haven't picked who I have. You might have. Um, but look, honourable mentions: Philly, Utah, Dallas. Just got a big win without Luca. Actually, I watched that game. They looked very, very good. Shout out to Finney Smith. Two big threes in that game late, which is awesome. Uh, Clippers are in my honourable mentions, and the Denver Nuggets until they lost. They probably had my team of the week until they lost to OKC. Um, if I'm being honest, but. I had to give it to the New Orleans Pelicans Pro. Mm-hmm. They have had a great week. They are, you know, they were 10, 11, 12, two weeks ago. They've worked their way into the 10, four straight wins, all blowouts pro, 15 plus points in all of those games and not against any slouches. I mean, Lakers, Suns, Kings and Jazz. The Kings and Lakers, you might say, okay, fair enough, but... Suns and Jazz, two tough wins, um, especially the Jazz one. They ran them off the floor yesterday. It was it was it was a brutal blowout. Um, but I think they they have an opportunity there to to potentially even scrape out of that uh, bottom plane, I believe, or at least get to the seven eight. I, I think as it stands today, they face the Lakers. I think they beat the Lakers. I think they have an opportunity to to. to you know, beat Minnesota, Clippers, probably the same. Um, I think it's a coin flip. I think they're really playing well. McCullum's provided a scoring balance for them. Ingram's actually playing better with McCullum in the lineup, in my opinion. Um, I think, you know, before McCullum was there, it was kind of Ingram had to, as far as he went, they went. Um, you know, Valanciunas and a few sprinkles of other guys, but it was kind of Ingram was the guy. Now he's got a guy that's probably the number one guy ahead of him and, and he's probably 1.5 and I think he's kind of okay with that and he's reaped the benefit. And uh, Valanciunas is, 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 you know, when he's shooting three ball the way he is, if he knocks down a three or two in those games, they um, they have an opportunity to win most of those games and they start big too. They start old school big, the old Memphis Grizzlies big, you know, so um, with Hayes at the four, doesn't shoot threes at all. So it's an interesting lineup, but I, I like the way they're building the last, probably over the last two or three weeks since the trade and they're my team of the week, bro. Who you got? I got Dallas. I got Dallas, four in a row. Dallas crony. <laughs> crony, I mean, Besides Boston, is there a hotter fucking team in the league right now? I mean, they're... They they're, are bowling. They are bowling. They're killing it, man. I mean, they're killing it. And look, with Luka, without Luka, they're, they're playing... I mean, they played well tonight. And they're just sort of... They're hard to figure out because they got one really great player, obviously. And then they've got all these other guys. Brunson's a good, really good player, solid top three player on a team. And then you've got like a bunch of just guys who fit their roles and they play and they play hard as hell. And um, they're fun to watch. And they just, you know, they beat the Warriors twice. And I mean, everybody beats the Lakers, so who cares? But like beating you know, the Kings tonight without Luke is a big win. And I just think they're, they're playing really, really well and they're really hard to stop. I don't, you know, I, I think obviously there's teams above them that will beat them, but I think they've, they're, Doing what we talked about this like eight or nine podcasts ago about, you know, really good teams beating the teams below you and sort of the same level. And I mean, if you consistent doing that all year I, or in a, in a big period of time, I think you're you're a really good team. I think they've, they've played really well. Boston was going to be sort of my pick as well, but I just sort of really like how Dallas is playing. And uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, and they're. 
four straight, eight and two in their last ten. They're thirty nine and twenty five, fifth in the West as we speak. They have a chance to get get to four. Um, they're a game behind the Jazz. Dinwiddie was a huge pickup for them. I think he gets he gets a lot of knockers, but I think that was a great move for them. Um, it brings a secondary scoring ball handler. They can get a, a bucket in ISO. So you know I like it when you know Luca's off the floor. They 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 go more to Brunson and more to Dinwiddie. Um, and today we saw he was he was a threat. He was attacking, um, and I, I think that was a really really good. Um, trade where it really I think it balanced out Dallas's roster and, and just gave them an insurance policy for the odd night where you know Luca misses due to injury or foul trouble or he's not shooting the ball well you can go to a legit number two number three option in Dinwiddie and Brunson but Dinwiddie specifically because of the trade and I think it helps them so um, they're, they're playing really well and you know Sacramento had that game in the bag I watched that yeah. fourth quarter and they, they had it in the bag and you just you just knew there was a run coming and you just knew that you know, you'd bet that Sacramento wouldn't sustain the run because they're a bad team. They're they're thirteenth in the West for a reason. But you knew if a ran, if a run came, it would put the pressure back on the Kings, and and they choked it. I mean, Darren Fox missed a free throw late that would have helped them have a bit more of a cushion. But then Dodo came down and hit a three. But they um they made some mistakes late in that game. But yeah, I mean Dallas Dallas has a chance. You know, they're, they're kind of they have a small ball lineup they can go to. Um, Powell's having a great year for them, especially on the defensive end and charges, block shots, contests at the rim. So uh, I agree that they're a fair pick. So um, we will we won't take that as a crony pick. But if you the fact that you just said Boston was your next pick, we're starting to <laughs> there's, there's some shenanigans going on, pro. There's some bias here. You you know. Um, yeah, that's a good point too. Uh, they, two two teams that sh- well one team that shit canned me and then another team that I left. But in Boston, but I'll tell you what, I thought Indiana was the biggest tanker, you know, up to this point in the second half of the season. Uh, Sacramento might have my vote. They're neck and neck for the biggest tanking, the two biggest tanking teams in the league right now, for sure. You think they're doing it on purpose? Uh, or is not, it just the Sacramento Kings? I think, it's it's a, I think it's the Sacramento Kings, to be honest <laughs> with you. But yeah, it's, uh, but that uh, one in the night, you looked like going into the fourth, I think they were up like 12. You thought that, all right, they're, they're all good and. You know, and then I look up. I'm, well, up I'm, eight with like three, four minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, good for Dallas, man. Good win. It was. All right. Who's your team of the – who's your bad team? Who's your team of the week? Golden State. Golden State. Oh, damn yeah, it. I know, I know. Go ahead. Go I ahead. Know. Go ahead. Uh, look, you know, you got championship aspirations, right? And and, and they do, obviously. They got to they gotta play better than what they're playing. You know, they got to play better with what they're playing. They've got – they're missing Draymond, obviously, Wiseman, you know, whatever. But, like, they're, they're missing Draymond. such a huge part of that team. And it just goes to show you how valuable he is to that team on both ends of the floor as far as, uh, you know, obviously his defense, but his passing, his screen setting, his just, like, you know, toughness factor that just – they need it. They need that dog. And they don't really have that dog in the lineup. They've got talented – Great players in the lineup, but they don't have that dog, that X factor. And I think that's he's that guy. You know, he's the Xavier McDaniel, you know, on steroids from the 90s. Like he's just that tough guy that gives them that like extra, extra kick. I mean, they lost what, three straight and, you know, three out of the lot. I think they've lost seven out of 10. They're just not in a great place. Look, they need him back. I don't know, Bogues, you'd probably know more than I do on that. I don't know when he's coming back, but. You know they'll be fine, but they're not playing really. Good. They're not playing great at all right now. Yeah, you know, what are your thoughts? Yeah, same. I think they, I think it's there's a mix of things. I think Draymond Green's value now has been 
solidified. Um, he got a lot of shit last season or the season before. Um, and, well, no, it was last season, right? Um, which, which, which was a bad season. Last season, right? Last season. Yeah, yeah. it was. Yeah, and I think he, he provides so much for them that doesn't stop, show up on a stat sheet, as, as we've spoken about at length in numerous different podcasts. I think Clay's still finding his legs. I still think he's a little bit up and down just because he's he's been off for two years, man. Like, the the, the remember we spoke about the the um, emotion and the momentum he's going to get that first week or so of just being back and being pumped to be back and the body's going to feel great and then week two, three, four, soreness, holy shit, um, my hammy's tightening up, my back, oh, what's going on? That's what, that's normal. And Clay's one of the best in the league at, at just playing the hand he's dealt. You can never really tell what's going on with him, but I, I can guarantee you he's, he's probably you know spending extra time in the ice bath getting extra recovery in trying to do those things because he's been out two years no one can no one can conquer that right so I think he's finding his legs I just think they're also in the dog days of the season um, they're supposed to be one of the championship favorites at least after about a month into the season most people had them as a top five contender um, and I think it's this is the dog days they've been through this before which is why I'm not too concerned they had to get team of the week for me just because of their record and they've let some games slip but and probably the way they've lost I think defensively they've been real bad I just saw Steph made some comments that he's asked the coaching staff and Steve Kerr to, to change some things defensively and, and Steph's really not a guy that kind of goes out and, and requests things very often. So when, when he does, your, your ears perk up, you listen, because he doesn't do that very much. Usually it's, it's, it's coach or GM going to him and asking. He's not going to come to you. So um, I think they have some issues there. And, and, and I think Jordan Poole being in and out of the lineup, like starting, not starting, there were some comments about how he's just going to deal with it and figure it out. I think that's messed with the young player a little bit as well. They have found some gems in Kaminga. Um, so I think they've, you know, Andre Guadala being out too, I think he's an underrated out. Even though he doesn't play a lot, I think he's a, he's a real calming influence for them off the bench. Um, he plays that point forward role off the bench. They move Steph to the twos, Clay to the three. And I think he provides kind of a lot of that veteran kind of grit and, and what you need to do. Hey, you're in the wrong spot. Hey, let's get Steph another shot, you know? So I think they're just missing all that. So it's not the end of the world for them because the injuries have taken their toll. But yeah, I would agree. They have to play a little bit better and, and, and show us a little bit more out there. But I think they'll, you know, it's March 6th right now. I don't, I don't know when Draymond's going to be back. They're saying, you know, it's going to be later than sooner towards closer towards the playoffs. But I think they're going to start to pick it up. They'll start to get healthy. Like every championship team that's been top two in, you know, for five, six, seven, eight straight years. Um, they're going to all of a sudden find their healthy in April, I believe, and they'll, they'll be okay. But yeah, definitely a bit of a concern there, bro. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with all of that. And uh, and with, with Clay just trying to find himself and trying to find some rhythm and, and just some consistency. And, you know, I'm sure he's going to be banged up a little bit. He's getting a little bit older, plus with the, what he's coming back from. And, you know, they've had a couple other guys out here and there. And, you know, Poole's going to find out that, look, like in this league, and it's not going to be the last time this happens, sometimes your minutes are inconsistent. And, you know, probably for a while he's been consistent in college and high school about being consistent in his role. Sometimes when you're a young player on a championship-level team, your role isn't solidified and it's not, it, it really isn't consistent, especially when you have guys coming in and out of the lineup with injury. He's going to have to find that if he really wants to, you know, be a high level player in this league and continue to make it and be a, a solid starter for a team and, you know, things of that nature. They, they, they'll be okay. I, I, you know, to me, Bogues, if you're playing really well at the end of March or beginning of April, that's when you're, that's when you either worry or you don't worry, depending on how, how you're playing in that 
in that chunk of time. And, you know, they're, look, they're getting a little older. It's not five years ago anymore. It's, you know, thing, injuries take a little bit time, you know, longer to heal. Things happen, especially when you're not consistent with your lineups. And, you know, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of sort of things they got to work out before little things that they got to work out before the playoffs start. They'll be fine. But uh, yeah, it, it's always, it's always challenging. That's probably the fun part of it. Trying to figure the, the whole puzzle out. And then their the rotations have changed a little bit. Um, Toscano Anderson's kind of completely fallen out of the rotation, which was interesting. He played 32 seconds against Dallas. Moody's come in and he was three for three last game for three against Dallas. They're about to play the Lakers. They should win that today. But maybe they found something in Moody, um, you know. So they, they found a few pieces on that bench. Maybe they can crack the rotation, but they're, they're searching. And, you know, when Steve Kerr goes that deep into his bench, you know, he went 11, 12 deep, um, you know that he's searching too. He's looking for something, um, energies, a spark, this or that. So they'll be fine long term, but, yeah, a bit of a concern for them and, and they need they need Draymond Green back. I think he, he's a Band-Aid fix to a lot of this. All right, moving on. Rick Barry, soundbite. I'm going to play this. It's about two minutes long. I want everyone to have a good listen at this, and then we're going to we're going to break it down. So here is, uh, if you haven't heard it, here it is. We're talking about the 75. Well, we should get the official. Get the official to call it by the rule book. Okay. Stop the traveling. Stop the carrying the ball. Stop the moving screens. Call the damn game according to the rule book because players will adjust. If you're going to allow them to get away with it, hell, of course I'll keep doing it. Call the game according to the rule book. It's such an advantage to let a guy carry the basketball or take an extra step. That's ridiculous. You know, or a guy to move on offense. I mean, why are you giving all this advantage to guys? They're breaking the rules. Call the game according to the rule book. I charted a game a few years ago, Chicago, Atlanta. 59 moving screens weren't called. 59. That's insane. I can't even tell you how many times they carried the ball, how many times they traveled with the ball. It's pathetic. It's, I mean, for me to watch this game the way I was taught how to play the game and to watch this and what they allow to let go, it's an embarrassment. I'm sorry, it is. It's an incredible game. The athletes are incredible. What they can do is incredible. But they're getting away with murder. And it's, I blame the officials. Call the damn game accordingly. And it's the same thing with screens. I mean, I'll, I'll, give, you a, I'll give you a good lesson here, okay? You hear even the coaches, when I'm hearing the coaches saying, well, he didn't set a very good screen. Trust me, guys, a player doesn't set a screen. Doesn't say when you have to set something and implies that you need to do something, you have to set a screen. That's not your responsibility. Your responsibility as my teammate for Clifford Ray, let's say, is to learn to put yourself in the most advantageous position to allow me to take my man and run my man into him, thereby making him a screener. He's a stationary object. He only becomes a screener if I run my man into him. So if I do a crappy job of setting my man up and he's going to come over the screen, what does he think? Well, I'm supposed to set a screen. So he moves a little bit to try to what? Set a screen. That's a violation. It's a moving screen. It's a foul. Officials don't call it unless you take a guy's head off. That's the problem with the pick and roll play. They don't run it properly, they don't understand it properly, and even the coaches are talking in adequate, or in, in, uh, not intelligently about it. So, bro, what are your thoughts? I, I love Rick Barry, man. <laughs> um, you know, I think he had a lot of great points about, you know, the, the game as it's inconsistently officiated. And, and you know, the travels for sure, um, the fouling for sure. Uh, the screening, 
Uh, what what are your thoughts on the screening part when he was talking about that? So yeah, here's my thing. I think um, I totally agree with Rick Barry about players adjusting. We've we've had this discussion. Um, you tweak a rule within a couple of weeks, players are going to adjust. They're going to bitch and moan for a week or two, whatever the rule is. It, like for instance, this season it was the rip through trying to draw a foul when a guy's arms out. They adjusted very very quickly, so they're going to adjust. I, I agree with the traveling, and I agree to an extent with the moving screens. Right. Um, where I disagree is I think as an avid screen setter, um, I, th- I believe I was one of an elite screen setter throughout my career and I was taught by Rick Majerus, there is an art form in setting a screen, Pro. There is. Um, I really think there is. And, and, and I agree with Rick that it, it is set a screen. Um, the wording set, you must be set. But you can get to the point of your screen. If I'm running to screen you, Pro, as long as I stop moving the split second before I hit you, it's legal because I'm set. Right, so there is an art form in sprinting into a screen, setting it nice and wide or as wide as you can. Um, one thing I used to do was, if a, as soon as a player laid hands on me, so you're coming off a screen and the defender grabbed me, it gave me a free free pass to move. Right. So what I'll do is I put my hands up in the air and I would just back up the same amount as he's holding me, so it looks like he's pulling me. So there's little there's art forms in setting a screen, but I agree with him. Look, when I was with the Golden State Warriors, bro. Whenever Steph or Clay got hot, the screens that I would get away with were bonkers. I'm saying, I'm saying I got away with. And and don't blame me. People used to be like, oh, I hate that bogey sets moving screens. Hell yeah, I do. They're not calling it. <laughs> so I'm only going, I'm trying to win the game at all costs. If I can scratch tooth and nail, I'm doing whatever I can. One percenter, you know, if I've done tie your shoelace, I'm doing it. Whatever, right? And and I know if Clay or Steph have hit their last three threes, I'm doing whatever I can to get them open. It was crazy what I was allowed to do. When when they knocked down three threes, the, the crowd's going crazy, the announcers are going crazy, we're making a run. I could literally clothesline a guy, the refs wouldn't call it, because the refs were in the game. Like they, 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 were, they were part of it. They were part of the emotion in the field and, you know, and, and Draymond does the same thing. He knows there's times where I can just lay his guy out. They're not going to call it, especially in a tight game. And that's where I agree with Rick Barry. I think there needs to be a happy meeting with the screening. The travel things, are, the carrying thing, the travel thing, the no bad footwork just because you're a superstar. Like how many guys do we see on a full court inbound? Other team scores, they inbound it to LeBron or Russ. They take four steps before they dribble because it looks cool. It's casual. I can just, I can just. So I, I agree with all that. Um, I'd probably, so yeah, I'd probably be at 85, 90% agreeance with Rick Barry. I just think the 10% when he's talking about screening, I think there is an art form in it. But it all comes down to how the game's officiated and referees, bro. It's got to be consistent, Bogues. Like my big thing is, like my biggest pet peeves is traveling, splitting feet, and uh, three things. On the travel, splitting your feet, meaning you catch it on the perimeter, your right foot goes forward, your left foot goes back, and then you put the ball on the floor, not holding a pivot foot. I can't stand that. I can't stand when they when they gather and they could take 19 steps before they gather and then take the layup. (laughs) I don't like that. And I I don't like the step back rule. The step back rule is very inconsistent. You know, like that's the thing. It never was the gather. It was you take, you know, you pick the ball up, you got two steps. It wasn't a gather. It wasn't what have you. Those are things I don't like. I don't like the following situation, Bogues. Like, you know, the rule is when, you know, a defender on the perimeter, especially or in the post, when you face somebody and you drive to the basket, once they start their drive, you have to have hands off. 
You can't have one hand holding, one hand up. You can't. You have to have both hands up, and you cannot have a hand on that offensive player. Some players do, some players don't. I, I break down two hours a day on foul versus not foul to you know to teach the game better. And it's inconsistent because some players can, some players can't. And my clients, when I talk to him about, hey, look, you got to show hands. He goes, look, but look at this clip. This player has one hand on him holding as they're driving one hand up. I said, you have to show the referees your hands, but sometimes you don't. Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. And I just think those things need to be officiated way more consistent. And uh, to me, it's just frustrating as a teacher, but Maybe as the fan, they don't really give a fuck, and I understand that. But to me, that's where that's where I'm at. And the screening thing, you're right, it is an art form. I'm a big screening fan. I think you know, getting hits on screens or at least forcing that offense, off, that defensive player to veer on a wide angle to avoid your screen and giving the ball handle or the shooter an advantage. I think you're a big time part of the team offense even if you don't touch the ball if you're a great screener and i you know i i do agree with your sentiment on it but i like i just like how we sort of look at the game it's just too inconsistent they're getting away with too much and it's just hard as a young player to me it's hard because like if you're trying to work on something that they don't call for james harden and you go well james harden they don't call it for so i'm going to continue to do it you know and then the ref starts calling it for them they're like what the fuck like it's hard. Especially man. a young guy. Yeah, yeah it's hard. A young guy coming to the league. But nobody cares, yeah, folks. Nah. Like, you care, I care, but the, the casual fan doesn't give a fuck, to be That's honest. That's what I mean. So it's, it's almost like a get-off-my-lawn type rant by Rick Barry. That's what most people, will, the young fans of the NBA, will equate it to. But it's the NBA has become – it's it's not WWE-esque yet – but it's become more entertainment than basketball. And that's that's what's disappointing about it. To your point about not being able to have an arm on someone when they're driving, well, all of a sudden, if that's an all-defensive player holding that player, he'll get away with it because of his his resume, his stature. If it's James Harden driving, he gets a little questionable bump. It's going to get called most times. But if it's Joe Schmo, 13th man, who just got some in, it's not going to get called. And I think that's where where, where purists of the game get frustrated. It's, it should be the same rules for everyone. A travel's a travel, a carry's a carry. Um, you know, the moving screen thing, if you're saying, okay, way too many moving screens, tweak it. Players will adjust. I would, I'd adjust. You know, in, in games, I'd usually know in the first couple of minutes how they'd call it. Um, and then you, you kind of have to adjust along the way. And then you might try another sneaky one in the third and see if they call that. And then you adjust. Um, but I think Rick Barry's got a point. I mean, he'll, he'll, get, he'll get some shit for it. He'll get some pub for it. But... It, it does, as a purist of the game, I'm not watching it for the halftime show. I'm not watching it for the windmills. I'm not watching it for the cheerleaders or who's sitting front row. I'm watching it for the game. It is hard to watch at times because the fundamentals go out the window. And then, you know, if you're coaching an 8, 9, 10, 15-year-old kid, he's like, hang on a second. You know, James Harden could do that three-step, step back, sidestep, and it wasn't a travel. Why can't I do it? And they try to do it in their local leagues. It's like travel, 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 travel. And they're getting frustrated. And some of my idols doing it. And and that that's where it's tough, where the NBA is entertainment. It's it's probably 70-30 entertainment at this point, I think. Um, that's probably my ratio. I don't know what yours would be, but I think it's about 70, 70% factored towards entertainment, 30% basketball. It's uh it's right around there. It's it's getting to the W you know, it's getting to the WWF for sure. It is mostly entertainment. And let's be honest, it's a ratings money deal. Yes, there are guys who love the game. <coughs> you know, yeah, there's there's a slew of guys in the league that love the game and want to play and they love to compete and play, but for the league itself, I think it's all about money. It's all about what's the best 
value for the fan that's watching, that's spending money, that's clicking, that's betting on the games. Like, what's the best product for them? And it's very drama-based. It's very, you know, <coughs> nationally inquired, TMZ-based on that stuff as well. And that's what they want. And let's be honest, the game is flooded for the offensive player. It, the defensive player is fucked. If you, you know, it, it's not, you know, there's really no advantage for the defensive player. I don't know how many, you know, what rule do you think is, you know, gives the defensive player the advantage at all? Maybe the verticality rule, you know, where you could you go straight up and, and, and hit the hit the offensive player and make contact and no foul call if you go straight up and down. But there's really not much, Bogues, in my opinion. You know, they, they want... Yeah, but even that rule, Pro, if the, if the offensive player, like I go verticality, which happened to me a lot, the offensive player goes straight into my torso, my... My body natural inclination is I'm going to hunch because I get say you get punched in the guts you're going to hunch over so then I get called for a foul for not going straight up and I'm trying to explain to the referee like he basically kicked me in the nuts with his knee or kneed me in the stomach like you know so it still favors the offensive player yeah it should be uh, the verticality rule should be you know verticality before the hit and then the hit then if you hunch or whatever because it was because of the hit then it should be it should be the defensive Play guy on. yeah. You know. Yeah, it's, looks, it's, it's, it's tough. There's, there's so many <coughs> little split-second decisions referees have to make out there, but I, I think um, they started off well this season, but as we've said, I mean, right when we said it last week, you know, Harden and Embiid shot 40 combined free throws. Um, it was going back, it's going back to the old school way of or the last three or four years of refereeing. So it's, I, I, don't, I don't think most fans that watch the game on a daily basis like it. I think it's more that casual fan. I, I look at a stat sheet. Even the betters, you mentioned betting, they wouldn't like it. They'd want the travels called because it can cost them money. You know, those, those, those plays can cost them money. So anyway, I, th- I thought it was a good little rant from, from Rick Barry, one of the legends of the game. Um, he definitely has his point of view and he definitely is not scared to share it. So we appreciate that. And we'll, uh, nothing's going to change, so I don't, I'm not holding my breath, but it's it's a good discussion nonetheless. Um, injuries and movement, Pro, a lot going on. All right, Bradley Beal is the first one I want to talk about. Um, he was quoted as saying, fair, fair to say I'm leaning towards signing with the Wizards. Now, Pro, I've heard a, I've heard a pretty big rumor, Pro, um, from some people you know that are pretty close to the situation in the NBA. Big three to Philly, Brad Beal, um, just trying to get to Philadelphia in the offseason to team up with Harden and um, Embiid. Philly's desperate, obviously, to try to get off Harris anyway. They have been for a while, and I think they're still you know, even more desperate now to free up that cap space somehow. It most likely will have to be a sign and trade with Philly, but don't be surprised if a big three forms in Philly, bro. That's, that's the word on the street. I mean, it's a good idea in theory. The only issue with the Harris deal, like if Washington, like if I'm Washington, do you really, if you're going to give up Beal, you probably want a younger player, you know, you want a younger player to sort of start this thing with on a rookie contract, rookie scale deal, or a bunch of picks. You're going to pick up Tobias Harris that has 37.6 next year, um, next year and 39.2 in 23-24 left on the deal. Um, if I'm them on the sign and trade, the only way that I'm doing that is if I get a boatload of picks from Philly you know, to, to move that deal and I'm getting Thibel or someone else. And I don't think Philly could really afford to give up many more assets if they're going to give up, you know, give up Harris and a couple other people because you need people to play defense. You need some other guys. Now, obviously, if you get Beal, you get Beal. 
I think this this move has to go through like Oklahoma City, you know. But even if they do, yeah. But even if they do, because they got a boatload of cap. Even if they took the money on and they took his thirty seven million dollars on, they don't have the. It's not like see for casual fan. It's like oh yeah, well get rid of Harris and you could use his thirty seven million. It doesn't work that way. You got to be thirty seven under the cap. To sign them, and they're way over the cap with the guys that they have there now. So it's going to be really hard. Like you said, it'll have to be a probably a straight sign and trade. And you know, I don't know. I don't know what Bradley Beal does. Um, I don't know his contract situation as far as he's you know super max because you got to stay with the same team to go super max. I don't think he. I mean, to stay in Washington, he probably doesn't want to do that. But. You know, they always say they do. But that's interesting that you say the whole deal with Philly. That'll be interesting to look at. Yeah, because the big three works so well in Brooklyn for Harden. So yeah. he wants to try it again in Philly. It's great. Um, it's great. Maxie, Maxie's playing too well to be included in that deal now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think Maxie... I think Maxie's, the value's too high. Yeah, him and Thibault, they really max... If I think Thibault will go if... Uh, if if push comes to shove, I would say Thibault goes. But they really need defense too, though. Like if you get who's gonna yeah, guard who's gonna guard people if you get Harden? And I mean they don't really care. But if you have those three guys, who's gonna defend? So they need elite defenders. Danny Green. Yeah, Danny Green. Yeah, if this is if if you went. To oh, a, yeah, you're playing KD. KD. Yeah, I mean Thibault's your guy. Um, but yeah, just an interesting one. I mean. One percent chance, two percent chance happening, but it was it's it's been discussed. So um, we'll see how that goes. Oladipo totally forgot. Um, back soon with the Miami Heat. They're balling, playing real well. They've had injury issues early on, and he still hasn't played a game for him. So um, that's a big that's a big inclusion. Does he does he even come back and start immediately, Pro? I don't think so. I think they'll I think they'll ease him in. You know, with the whole load management deal and all that. It's a uh, He's going to be a big part of things, though. Like, he could be a big part of things off the bench and then work his way in. You know, sometimes when Duncan Robinson or somebody's struggling or, you know, they, they, you could always throw him in. Imagine, like, coming off the bench with him and Tyler Hero, though. You know, what, what you can mm. do with that lineup. And I, I think they'll, they'll be smart with it. I don't think they'll just throw him. It's not like they're a bad team with it. They need, they need a playoff push. They're obviously going to be one or two probably coming into the playoffs. So I think it's a great it's a great ace to have in your hand and you could play it and, you know, you know, basically ease them in and see what happens in the playoffs. I mean, that, that, that'll be, that'll be interesting though, with the way they're playing. And then you throw all off the bench for like 15 to 18 minutes a night to start with. We'll see, we'll see where that goes. That's interesting. Yeah, it is. It is. I totally, totally forgot they were missing anyone. So big inclusion for them. Michael Porter Jr. to be cleared within the next week or so for uh, full for full court activities and contact and should be back sometime in March. So that's big for the Nugs. They've, man, they've, they've held it down. Um, credit to them. They're much like the Clippers. They've, those two teams have been really, really good considering the hand they've been dealt with injuries. And there also is a rumor that um, Jamal Murray, they're saying strong chance to be back in time for the playoffs. So... Um, look, I don't think Jamal will be able to give him as what he has in the past immediately. It's going to take him some time, and you're always you're always cognizant of coming back to a playoff series because that intensity lifts. You don't have time to ease back from an injury, so we'll see how that goes. But those two those two inclusions for the Nuggets, considering where they're at, they're still in the mix, would be um, would be massive for them, Pro. Yeah, that four five six that battle for four five six is going to be pretty interesting with you know Dallas, Utah, and Denver, and you throw that in. To be honest with you, Bogues, to me. 
I know you're you're way more competitive than I am. If I'm a team, I'm going to be conservative with it. Like, especially with the Clippers and Denver, like with their injury deals. I'm not going to rush those guys back. I know what I have going into next year. I'm like, you know what? Let's just battle through. I think it's good for our our other players to get a lot of minutes, see where they're at, and, and go there. I, I look, I'll play those guys when they if they come back, you know, before the playoffs or into the playoffs. But I'm not really going to rush them back at all. I'm not worried about winning series because it's too much on the line. God forbid something happens, knock on wood, you know, to see, you know, something happens early, but. I think they're in a great spot. Like you said, Denver and Clippers both holding it down. You probably thought, and I thought, with those injuries that those guys would be 9, 10, 11, 12, you know, in the West instead of, you know, instead of 6 and 8. It's uh, it's pretty cool to see. Especially the Clippers. Like, you know, the Nuggets still have Jokic, so the, the Clippers just were, I mean, decimated. But um, they've done they've done a good job. The only other one I had, or two other ones I had, were uh, <clears throat> DeAndre Jordan, uh, we called that one. He got waived. I think too late because it cost it cost the Lakers another formula. I believe if they would have waived him earlier. They would have saved some money, but I don't think they care too much. But going to Philly reportedly, so it'd be, it was pretty obvious that he was going to be av- available. Um, so that wasn't a surprise. And the only other one is there's some rumors have been leaked that, that Zion might be back. Um, you know, he's, he's working towards making a comeback. I've heard he's done for the season, pro. So. Take that for what it's worth. I've read some reports that, that echo similar that he um, um, won't be back. And then as soon as that report came out, pro, there were about ten other ones that came out and said, "Oh no, no, there's a chance he'll be back." And, and that's that's from from from, a, from his agency and people, obviously. But I've heard that he will not be back this season. So if you're a Pelicans fan, I, I kind of wouldn't want him back this season, to be honest with you. I mean, you'd rather at this point they're starting to play a bit better, see where this goes, really see who else can step up for him and then get a healthy eye on hopefully next season if he comes back. But um, that's all we kind of have on the movement front, Pro. Interesting. Yeah, I just picked I, I, I picked Zion up on my fantasy team because everybody dropped him and I thought maybe he'd come back for a couple of weeks to see what he's got. But I agree with you. I, I probably wouldn't want to see him you know, this season because of just, look, they're on a roll right now. I mean, they're 10, you know, they're probably going to finish nine, you know, uh, they're, they're not going to catch eight, but they'll catch nine for sure. And in my opinion, and why risk it? Why not just sort of like, I mean, if, if he could finally see his feet for the first time in a year and a half, just go with it and <laughs> let him, let him just keep working out and, you know, and then see it healthy. healthy next year. Yeah. There's no, I mean, they're in a mix right now. They're, they're in a good spot. I, you know, I think it's just too much of a, I think it's just too much publicity with it too. Like they're just, they got too much riding on it. They're doing well. Those guys battle through. They got, they got CJ back. They got CJ, you know, rolling with that team and they got all these young guys playing well. I would probably just, I would ease back, just let the guy work out and, you know, God forbid if they went in the tank and they, they they got to 12 with like three games left. Maybe if you throw him out there one game, see where he's at, if he's really healthy. But look, they're, right now they're going to be like, they're, they're going to be looking at nine. I, I, I would just, I would just, I, I'm with you. I, I totally agree with your sentiment. I would just, you know, let him chill. No doubt. Tristan Thompson, pro, I want to know what what he is taking, what, what, what he's smoking, man, because we talked about a couple of weeks ago, the Indiana Post, he was in Indiana for what, three days? Two games, maybe, and did a did a big tribute post to his his boys in Indiana. I was you know I love going to battle with my guys. Did a tribute post. Well, now he's he's rocked up to Chicago Pro, and as you would remember, um, Grayson Allen 
Um, took out Caruso a couple of months ago now. Caruso on, on a dunk. Um, fouled him hard. He ended up breaking his wrist, which is now further delayed as well. That was one we forgot to mention, but um, apparently he's not on schedule. He's going to take a little bit longer to come back. But he was asked about that at, a, I guess, a press conference, and the quote went like this, bro, shit, take out one of my dogs like that, we're going to have a problem. We've got to set the tone. Guys are going to play chippy, let's play chippy. And then further went on to say something about how that's what Chicago is about, that's what we do here. He, I think he was there, that might have been his fourth day there. I think he was um, four days in Chicago at the time, pro. But <laughs> I mean, what, dude, like, what do you, what do you, what, what's going on, man? Is he living a real life Kardashian reality TV show? Folks, maybe he went to Gibson's, he took a, a walk on Michigan, went down a Navy Pier, really felt the city. And, and, and you know what? He, he, you know, he goes, you know what? This is my home. <laughs> got emotional. Hey, look, I lived there 10 years. I love Chicago. So maybe maybe he got wrapped <laughs> up in it, you know, like watched some of those old Bulls tapes. I don't know. Maybe watched, uh, you know, The Last Dance. Who the fuck knows? I thought that was a little <laughs> bit over the top, though. Come on. Oh, man. Yeah. Dude, I, was, uh, I saw it. And, and then you, I wasn't going to talk about it. Then you sent it through. And I was like, all right, let's talk about it. Because it was just like, you, you, like one of my dogs. <laughs> like, have you even practiced with the team yet, bro? Fucking hilarious, <laughs> like, man. Oh, man. And it's like, yeah. Anyway, that was just a fun quotable. Um, LeBron James, pro. I don't know if you've watched any of their games because you probably don't want to be sick. But um, the blatant stat chasing at the end of games, is, 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 is it's hard to watch, bro. Um, They've been blown out the last, you know, handful of games. Um, the last five, six, seven out of ten, they've been blown out, whatever the number is, to be exact, I don't know. But they've been down 20 to 25 points in the fourth quarter with five, six, seven, eight minutes left. He's still out there. Um, and it's clear as day he's chasing Kareem's record, he's chasing all the all-time records, but it's just for a great like that, you know, to be basically playing against 10 to f- – 10, 11, 12, 13 guys on the roster from the opposite team because they've cleared their bench because they're up 30. And he's out there hustling on offense, <laughs> like at all costs. Um, and look, it's not a knock. It's He's in the position to try and break all-time records. I get it. It's just, for me, it's hard to watch. He's one of the, he'll go down as one of the best to ever play the game of basketball. Um, but to, to watch that pro, I, I don't know if you've noticed it or seen it, um, specifically the New Orleans game as well. They're getting punched and he's out there, you know, trotting on defense, not trying at all, and then burst on the offense to get a bucket. And you're just like, it's clear as day what's going on. It is what it is, but it's hard to watch a champion do that, bro. Yeah, there was a movie uh, back in the day called Mr. 3000. It was a Bernie Mac, and he was a baseball player that had 3,000 hits. And then like, he retired for like three or four years, got in the Hall of Fame, or was going to be in the Hall of Fame. And then they fought, like, like a scorebook came out of nowhere, and they said, wait a minute, no, like... We, we charted like five hits of yours, like not hits. And he's coming back all fat and out of shape. He, he just came back to get his five hits. It just seems a little bit like that. He's going to get these records. Like he's going to get them all. Like he's going he's gonna to get the scoring record. Why? I don't understand this whole big deal. Now, I don't know. I mean, like I guess I don't watch his show, that barbershop show or whatever he's got. I think he's he, – I read somewhere today or yesterday where he took offense to like he's never even though he's even though he's number two in scoring he's never no one views him as one of the game's best scorers and maybe he's all about it maybe he's just all about getting those points and stacking it up but yeah it's a, it's a bad look 
Um, he'll probably flip it and say, well, I'm competitive and I, I never quit to the end and that's why I'm doing it. It's hard to believe that, to be honest with you, when you're down 25 or 20 and, you know, that you're just like competing like that. But again, he'll flip it. But he was out there with other guys that were like their bench guys. Did, yeah. <laughs> did, hey, and did you, did you see him go off on a, um, he went off with some media member like the last couple of days. Um, I think he, this guy was sort of, killing the Lakers or killing something and he went off on him. He's been chippy with the media from what I've what I've been reading the last, you know, last week or two about like, you know, I think oh, you know what? I think this guy was questioning if Clutch was running the team or Palenka uh, <laughs> was running the team and he took offense to it. And that's what it was. That's what it was. I don't think it's a question. Yeah, I think come it's on, a question. Man. Yeah. That's I the think funny. it's pretty obvious what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I, I know he basically said as long as I'm on the team, we've got a chance and blah, blah, blah. But yeah. I'm going to give you a hint. You, you, you don't have a chance with this team. Like if you get out of the playing rounds, that's a that's a championship for you guys. Let's, that, they, they, look, they look horrible. Bogues, let's get to the, let's get to the fucking play-in first. I'm telling you, yeah. it's not guaranteed. Oh, I think they get to the play-in. Bogues, yeah, but look, Bogues, Portland. Too, like, I'm, I'm not fearing Portland at all, but San Antonio's right there. They're only three and a half. Three and a half And the games. Lakers, remember remember I said last week, the Lakers have the second toughest schedule remaining in the yeah. league. And, and what, hey, mm. Lawndale's really rested since he plays about three minutes a month. <laughs> so you never know what's going to happen in the second half of the year. For, for- Pop must listen to our podcast because whenever we mention free Jock Landale, he gets a DMP the next night or the next seven nights and uh, after having a great game. So come on, Pop. Yeah, Put come that on, guy in. seriously. Put the guy Put in. Put guy in. All right, let's move on to the Ferris X Pro, the WNBA. The New York Liberty were fined for chartering flights during the 21 season. Um, this has become a big topic of discussion again with, with the whole, um, you know, male-female sports, all that kind of stuff, equalization, equal pay. Um, as per the WNBA rules, it is grounds that the harshest punishment is the termination of the franchise pro. That's that's a bit harsh, but it is a termination of the franchise. Um, that's the harshest penalty. And then obviously they can get fines and lose games and wins and all that bullshit. Um, they say the reason for it is the equalization rules. Now, this is a tough one because most people look at this that aren't WNBA fans and they'll freak out and say this is bullshit because guys get to do it and all the NBA players fly on private jets. That's people that aren't WNBA fans. Once you understand the rules and why they're there, I'll explain it real quick for people. So the WNBA, they have owners just like the NBA. A lot of WNBA teams are owned by, you know, owners that aren't billionaires that are, you know, they might have 50, 100 million. They're not billionaires. They, they probably can't afford to be flying their players private. But there are a few teams that... Um, an owner might own the NBA team and the WNBA team, or they might be billionaires. So the WNBA has an equalization rule saying that, look, it's an unfair advantage if one or two teams have billionaire owners and they're flying private and the rest of the league isn't. It's clearly an unfair advantage because you're getting much more rest, you're getting in earlier, you're much more comfortable, blah, 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 blah. It's a huge, huge perk to have. That's why the rule is there because it's not fair to the other teams that can't afford to do it. That's why they've done it. So their thinking is until we can do it for everyone, no one can do it. That's arguable. You might say, well, what does it matter? If that owner wants to spend that money that he's not going to recoup, he's going to be losing money, should he be able to do it? It's a tough one because the rules of the league, um, but this has sparked into a, obviously a separate debate about sexism and whatnot and why can't this happen. That, that's why it can't happen. Um, what are your thoughts on it? Do you think it should be play on or do you think they should stick to the, the rules of the league? Bogues, I'm, I'm a big follow the rules guy. And look... It's clearly stated the league 
the league doesn't have the revenue to do that with all the teams. And that's why you have a league. And all these leagues in the United States with Major League Baseball, Basketball, Football, whatever, it's collectively bargained where all the teams have to follow the same rules or, you know, or you're just going to have this sort of, it's not going to be an even deal. And I understand it's so easy to say, well, you know, no one loves female sports and males get everything. No, like, you know, the NBA sucked there for a while too. You know, as good as the product was, they didn't have the money to do any of those things. Don't, don't forget, like, when they started out, the NBA started out in their first 20, 25 years, just like the WNBA was doing, they took trains to games. Guys had, like, painting jobs in the summertime. They weren't making money. And that's what, that's what it was because they didn't make it collectively. And then David Stern came around in the, in the 80s, in the set, late 70s, early 80s. And he, he marketed the league and they finally made it profitable where now everybody could sort of share in that. And the league's not there. So if one team says, oh, we're going to pay for flights, well, what happens to the Minnesota franchise? What happens here and what happens there? So now if I'm a free agent, I'm like, fuck yeah, I'm going to New York because they're the only ones who charter. It's a competitive advantage. And I, I just think that, look, if you're – if they're not there financially, if you read that Sports uh, Illustrated article about that whole deal, like you see the revenue. The revenue is just not there to be doing that. It's like when, um, you know, when they're complaining about, you know, coach getting a million dollars or whatever, players should be getting more than the coach. They should be getting a million dollars. No, they shouldn't. Yeah, it's, it's great to say that. But financially, you just can't make it work. You have to go within the confines of what you have in the pot. You can't just be spending this money because now it's just going to fuck the whole league up. Let it build up to something. It hasn't built up to it yet. I like watching WNBA. I'm a fan of it. But if they don't have the money coming in with the TV and with the tickets and and everything else, then the sponsorship, then they just can't be talking about it, in my opinion. You could complain all you want. But you have to make that league sellable to people to watch it, to pay tickets, to sponsor it, get that money and then get these things that you want over, the, you know, that the males get. But the males had to fucking carry it for a long time to make it to what they're doing today. You know, it's, it's crazy. Not only that, the charters alone would, would be the more than... Would, yeah, would be more than every every team's charter would be more than what the team's team and league are bringing in. Just on that alone, don't factor in arena costs and salaries. Just the charter alone. So there are ways away from doing that. Um, I did read there was an AFL player here in the Australian Football League that he basically said he's he's willing to take a pay cut to support the women's league. That's the next conversation, and that's why I said a couple of weeks ago these NBA players that are out there saying, you know. Um, Women need equality like we have it. They should be flying on charters. Well, we're looking at you, buddy. <laughs> You're the one that can fix it. You share some more of your, uh, of your, you know, the collective bargaining agreement, your BRI to say women get more, they'll get better. So it's actually going to look towards the very males um, in the NBA to say you can fix that if you want to fix it. That's really important to you. 20% of your salary, cut it, cut it send it down to the WNBA and, and, and the problem will be somewhat... Um, solved and, and on track to what you want. Um, otherwise, it's just lip service, and that's what we're seeing a lot. We're seeing a lot of lip service. So, um, I think I think it, I'm the same. I believe if the rules state that, the rules state that for a reason. 
like I said, there's some owners that are more cashed up. That's not fair to other clubs that have to fly on those commercial connecting flights. You know, some WNBA teams are in cities that don't have direct, I believe, or a bit harder to get to at times. So it is an unfair advantage, and but it is professional sports. People argue that it should be, if they don't want to spend that, they can spend it. It's not college. Why can't they do it? So I understand both sides of the argument, but if I had to call it, I would say stick to the rules and fix it in your CBA. So we'll see how that goes. Brittany Griner has been arrested, pro. <laughs> this is an interesting one. So playing... Playing in Russia, I believe, yeah, or, or flying through Russia. You know, I think she's playing. Um, I think she's playing. They they made it sound like she's playing in Russia. Mm, playing in Russia has disappeared since early February um, off socials and whatnot. Apparently, she's pretty active on socials. I don't follow her, so I wouldn't know. But um, she's and, and has just gone, you know, missing. Basically, gone dark. It's been reported that um, she had been found at an airport with, you know, the remnants of, of marijuana or oil or seeds or whatever it was in a vape. Um, so who knows if there was actual active remains of it from after what she'd smoked or if she actually had bags of it. They didn't really say, but not a great time to be in jail if you're in in Russia. Not a great time to be in Russia, <laughs> number one. Not a great time American. to be in jail in Russia. As an American, yeah. As an American and, and not a great place to be called, caught with drugs. They're pretty strict there. So um, it's going to be interesting that the, the, the play Association has put out a statement saying, like, we're going to try everything we can to get her back. Um you know, could she be caught in a somewhat, you know, tussle, geopolitical tussle, pro? You know, that's that's a scary thing with everything going on right now. It's like, remember North Korea? There were the remember there were a, few, a few Americans back in the day that something happened to, and apparently Dennis Rodman got involved and got them back. Remember that um, a while ago? Um, so this is this is similar. She could be used as somewhat a PR political point. You hope that doesn't happen, and I really hope she gets home safely. But um, not the best place to be arrested in pro. No, River, and remember the third ball brother got caught uh, shoplifting in China, and Trump in China. Had, and yeah. Trump had to save him. Yeah, I mean, it's not. It, it's it's pretty scary to be honest, and and that's another gripe with the WNBA, like. They're saying, why do we have to play overseas and why can't we just play in the United States? Like most of those players, Bogues, the high-end WNBA players that go over Russia and things, they make eight hundred grand to two million bucks, depending on who you are. So, I mean, that's what they do. But that is not a place at this current time with, you know, with the governments of both Russia and United States being an American, getting caught for drugs and being in Russia at this time. It's that's pretty scary, you know. You know, hopefully something something's gonna happen, you know, quicker than you know, as quickly as possible. But that's pretty fucked up. It's pretty scary, man. And some blame has to go go to Brittany Griner. Like I'm not gonna, I'm not I'm not saying that she's innocent in all this because you have to know when you're traveling overseas, you got another country in the world. Yeah. You got another, especially when it comes to drugs. Like this isn't this isn't a. This isn't an issue like in Australia, for instance, you fly here, they're really strict on any kind of food you bring in, like border control on food is fucking bonkers. But at most you're going to get a $1,000 fine, right? If you, if you brought in like some beef jerky or some, whatever it was. So you got to know the rules, like especially when it comes to drugs, like just clean your bag out, you know, wash it wash it out under the water, make sure there's no remnants. Even if it was just remnants that were left in your vape, you can't take that risk. Not in, the, not in Russia, not in China, not in North Korea. You know, and and that's she's got to she's got to take that on the chin in a way, but you just don't want her to get hurt or harmed in this. Yeah, and she's played there multiple years. She needs to. I mean, she obviously should know. You know, she should know what you could travel with, what you can't travel with. I mean, yeah, it's look. I don't want to. You know, I don't want to be splitting hairs here, but this this is pretty fucked up. It's pretty fucked up for sure. Hopefully, she gets out. But yeah, I mean, if you're in a, I'm I'm 
you know, I'm nervous as hell anytime I travel outside the country. Uh, when I go to China, when I go wherever, you know, I do not fuck with any of their rules. As as like much as tomfoolery, I like fucking talking shit with you and stuff. I'm I'm nervous as a whore in church. You know, when when I'm you know when I'm in another country, I'm I'm you know name rank and serial number, and I'm pretty serious about it because you know I don't. That's that's pretty fucked up. You don't know what's gonna happen with this thing. You don't. It, yeah, we we were taught that like traveling as a young fellow with the junior national teams. You know, you're young and stupid. Oh, yeah, whatever. And your coach or, ex- coach or an assistant or a manager would come and say, hey, listen, guys, we're in a different country. You know, don't go here by yourself. Take a teammate with you. Don't do this. Don't don't be disrespectful. These are the customs here. And, and we try to, you try to listen as, as much as you were a young idiot back then. Like, oh, peace off. You know, we'll be right. We'll be right. But um, you, you try to you try to listen and hear that stuff because it can happen to you. Like, you know, I've, I've had teammates and friends and family and whatever that have traveled overseas and been caught in some sticky situations and you just got to know the norms and the cultural norms and the do's and the don'ts you know there's a lot of Australians that holiday up in Bali and they're they're no tolerance on drugs like full-on no tolerance even just a little leaf and they, they, they set tourists up over there on the street sometimes you know the police do for bribes and this and that even you rock up to the airport with a little seed you're in big trouble there like you're not getting out for a long long time right so you know you got to know the customs so I don't I don't completely think that you know, Brittany's uh, innocent in all this and, and the sob story, but it's just the timing of it is, is, is what we're talking about. It's just questionable, but um, hopefully she'll be back sooner than later. All right, NBL slash Australia world. Dante Exum has re-signed with Barcelona to finish the season. I think he's been playing really well for him. They're really happy with him. Like I said last week's episode, I think he um, he's really starting to get a calmness about the way he plays from what I've seen, patience. Um, he's not all about trying to get stats, and as we've spoken about numerous times, the European teams don't really overvalue stats. They just want that letter at the end that starts with W. So I think that's really good for him and his his future career. Um, CJ Bruden. Do you know CJ Bruden, Pro? I do not. What's 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 going on with him? He's, he's an American, uh, well, grew up in America. His father came out here many, many moons ago, played in the NBL. Um, sorry, CJ didn't grow up. He grew up in Australia, but his father grew up in America, came out here. Um, Bruden family are really big in Australian basketball that have been around for, for decades and decades. And um, <clears throat> just want to give a shout out to CJ. So he, he's been diagnosed with cancer. So um, yeah, hope he's, he's the co-head coach of the Adelaide 30, 36ers. Played in the NBL many years. Um, played, around, played on an Olympic team, two Olympic teams with him, I believe. Um, really good guy. Really, really, really great teammate. Um, but he's, yeah, he's, he's, he's in the middle of his rookie season coaching, just being diagnosed. Um, so he's, he's working through getting that better and we hope that he'll be fine. So we send, send our support there, pro, but you just, you know, you never know how quickly you can be diagnosed with these things. So cherish, cherish the people you're around, right? No doubt about that. That's, that's, you know, you just wish the best for him and his family and hopefully he'll get better soon. And yeah, it's not, not, nothing, to, nothing to mess around with, man. Yep. Last one I want to pick a bone to pick with, uh, I don't know who really, pro, but the, the Western Australian government, which is Perth, they, they have the most hardcore COVID uh, restrictions, probably on earth, I think. They, 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 they were 600 and whatever it was, 620, 30, 30 days of border locks just opened up finally. Um, so they were flying the flag for COVID still. Um, they still are today, but... So what has happened is the NBL didn't know when those borders would open, so they based Perth on the East Coast for you know indefinite future. Well, it has announced that the borders are now open, so that Perth's gone back to, to Perth to play a lot of their home games towards the end of this season. 
problem being pro that their mandates are different to all the other states. They, they actually require, strictly require a booster, which is a third shot. Now, what this has done is um, it, it's basically made the NBL get on the front foot. They've, they've let all the teams know that, hey, you need to make sure your players have boosters. Uh, they need to get them to get into Perth. If you don't, if your players don't get it and they don't, that you don't have enough players to field a team, you will forfeit that game, no ifs, ands, or buts. So basically, at that point, it's not not really a choice for the club. They're going to push their, their players to get it. Um, most players in the NBL have have had you know their double two doses, which was required. And, and most guys, well, not most guys, a fair few people I've spoken to said that that's all, that's it. I just want my two, and I'm doing. I don't want to do the booster. So it's a tough spot for a lot of the players now. I was on the board of the Players Association, and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to talk about them a little bit. I was I was once on that board, and um, there's players that still thought I was on that board that reached out to me and were like, "Hey, like, what's going on? I'm not really comfortable about getting a booster at this point. I just did my doubles, whatever the reason. Not comfortable. Don't want to do it." Um, it wasn't a boatload of players, but there are some players. And I said, "Look, I'm not on the board anymore." Um, so I reached, you know, basically told the PA, you know. This is happening, you know. This player's reaching out. Didn't, didn't say who it was, but I'm disappointed in the PA. I think they need to put a statement out. They need to put a. They need to put something out to say that they support the player's choice um, about what's going on. So this is one state in Australia that has put these mandates on, on athletes, and the athletes are going to generally do whatever they have to to earn their paycheck. Um, coach will put pressure on them. Management will put pressure on them and say, hey. We need you to play, man. Like you know, it's blah blah blah. The other issue is that Perth will most likely be a finals team, so you're going to have home games. They're going to have home games there for the finals. I'm just not comfortable with it, and I had to air it out. And I really, I really wish you know the Play Association, Basketball Association, even Australian Football League, um, their Play Association, they've all just gone quiet. They've gone completely quiet with this. And my point is, if it's one of your players or a hundred, it does not matter. If it's one percent or ninety nine percent. You, you're paid fees by the players to support them in whatever their problems are. Um, and a lot of these players' associations are quick to parrot the current talking points of, of Ukraine or of, 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 of whatever's going on in the media. We show solidarity, but when their own players are in this tough situation um, where they're scared to, you know, what, what happens if I don't take it? Will I get cut? Will I, will I lose my paycheck? Will this, will that? And, and they're getting really no... Uh, public support from their very own player association pro. I, th- I think that's um, that's not right. Well, the players don't work for the players association, you know. As you you lay you laid out, you know, the players association works for them, and you can't just buckle on this stuff. You got to come to the table and talk and 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 try to come up with something that's going to be good for both sides. You can't just you can't, you can't just sort of you know. I, I think you're undermining the players in which you try to serve, you know, by by going by going in this direction, I, I totally agree. I think that there there definitely needs to they need to man up and and try to come up with a, a better solution. This isn't in the player's best interest just to just to lay down with it. You, you got to at least you know you got to at least fight for this a little bit. You know. Yeah, and it doesn't mean you're supporting either side. It's just simple as like we we will publicly we support you know. Our players, there there are some that have concerns about the booster. There are some that don't. We support either way they go, and for the players that don't want to do it, we'll we'll try to work with the league on figuring out a compromise. Um, but not even that. And I think that's where players are kind of just reached out to me and said, well, "Why am I paying my player association fees? Like, I'm a, I might be a minority in my decision making or my thought process, but I feel like I'm being 
forced into it. And my club's, you know, I'm, I'm kind of being told it's my choice. It's your choice to take it, but you know, it's not really a choice, bro. At that point, you know, and and for one state to to um, you know outline that law, I, I honestly think the game shouldn't be there if those laws are like that. It should just that unfortunately Perth, like New Zealand, need to just play their home their home games away because it's it's not right. And there will be people saying, well, you should get the booster anyway. And I mean, everyone knows where I stand on that. I'm, I'm all about choice, but I just think it's not fair when when the rest of Australia aren't aren't in those mandates. So we'll watch that space. Um, I, I don't anticipate many players being in a position to be able to walk away because financially NBL players don't make a shitload of money. Um, there's the whole peer team aspect of things. Come on, mate. It's just it's just one more booster and, you know, we need you on the team. So most players are going to do it. I, I don't think there's going to be an issue, but it, I, I hope the Players Association um, musters a bit of strength, you know, eats some spinach like Popeye and puts out some sort of statement saying that they are for either players, um, ones that are happy to take the booster and ones that aren't and they support them either way and they'll help them out. So we will see where that goes, pro. All right, stats, useful or useless. Got some good ones this year, pro. Oh, this year, this week. It's been a long year already. Winning seasons in Sacramento. They, they had winning seasons Rick, in Sacramento? They did. They did. Rick Adelman, how many do you think he had? Rick Adelman was there for eight years. How many winning seasons do you think he had? I feel as though you set me up, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess like six. Eight. <clears throat> he was eight for eight. eight. Eight winning seasons in eight years. Do you know how many winning seasons they've had with any other coach in franchise history? Hmm. So it could be any coach. How yeah. many how many winning seasons do you think? Two. I'll give you a clue. There's been there's been 29, 29 seasons that Rick Adelman has not coached in their franchise history total. Two. Two. Zero. No bro. shit. Zero. No That's an amazing stat. I saw that. Useful as fuck. That, like, that's I mean, useful. Rick Adelman's a I think he's a great coach. Um, I think. Some of these plays into Sacramento just being a dumpster fire of a franchise for so long. But Rick Adelman for, you know, the knocks that he got back in the day towards the end of his tenure there, like can't win, no defense, blah, blah, blah. They were eight for eight. So I'd, I'd, I'd probably argue most people in Sacramento would be like, yeah, we'll take him back. Even if he's in a wheelchair or on crutches or 80 years old, let us get Rick Adelman back and just 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 know what one playoff series feels like, especially in that new arena pro, but uh, useful or useless? Oh, that's useful for sure. That's useful for sure. Now, now a lot of had to do with the talent, and you know they finally like they had good management. They had you know they had Jeff Petrie as their GM, and they did a good job. You know, obviously Peja and and, and Vlade and Chris Weber, and you know the players that they had, uh, Mitch Richmond too. I think it was in that in that bunch, and then just it's just a dumpster fire. Remember the owners? They lost all their money. Though the Vegas guys, I forgot the Maloofs, the Maloofs right? <laughs> you know, the, palms. the Palms. Hey, I fucking palms love the Palms. You know, just because I hate the strip, so I love staying at the Palms in Summer League because, like, there's nothing there. It was so old towards the end, though. Yeah, oh, no so doubt, no doubt. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely useful. It just goes to show you, like, you know, they're just, they're so fucked. It's just, you know, there's no, there's no solid, there's nothing solid foundation to bottom in the last over a decade, so... Yeah, I'd say useful for sure. Useful it is. All right, next one. There are 510 players in the NBA Pro and 129 of them get 10 shots or more a game. 75% of the other players have to do other things, Pro. Useful or useless? It's useful because I fucking tweeted it. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good one though, man. Yeah. That's That's the first... I think it's useful. Oh, useful as fuck. That's the first thing... I'll tell a player at high school, college, or pro 
that, you know, there's about three players that get most of the shots. 75% of the league do not get plays called for them for the most part. You know, they got to survive doing other shit. And yeah, I totally think that's useful for sure. Mm, yeah, I mean, it's, it's basically a quarter of the league get 10 or more shots a game. Um you know, on a nightly basis. So if you're if you can't guard, if you can't rebound, if you can't set screens, Rick Barry, if you can't do other things to help your teammates, other than get try to get ten or more shots up or bitch if you don't get them, you're gonna be out of the league and you're gonna be you're gonna be lighting up China for forty a night, but you know, that's about it, right? And we see that all the time. So good one, pro. You're actually bringing something to the podcast. I like it. I appreciate that. I'm for, you know, hey, out of hundred and twenty seven, you know, I'm I'm finally fucking getting there. I got my first one in. <laughs> All right, Steph Curry played the entire fourth in the loss to the Mavs recently. He did not attempt one shot. Third time um, that's happened to him in the fourth quarter in his career. Useful or useless? Oof. I'd say that's pretty... Uh, I'd say it's... Uh, I'm... Useless. Useless. Wow, useless. Okay. I mean, like, I just think it was a freak, a freak thing. I think he was. He seemed like again. I I was glancing back and forth at the game, and it seemed like he was fucking pissed. Like Kobe, sometimes when he was pissed, won't take it. Wouldn't take a shot in a quarter, or just he had something to prove or something. I think it's just sort of one of those freak things. I, I don't. I didn't really. Well, what? You tell me. You, the whole quarter, though. I mean, yeah. yeah I, don't, I don't. I don't think he's that kind of guy where he'll just purposely not shoot but I think they you know I saw Steve Kerr gesturing in that game move the ball we're gonna move the ball you know because I think their ball movement was bad it was getting stuck a lot um, and that's where Draymond plays a big part so I think there probably were some frustrations there but you know why it's useful for me is like if you're Steph Curry's teammate on the floor with him you gotta after three minutes you're like hey guys like Steph hasn't really touched the ball much the last three minutes <laughs> <laughs> like, let's. I don't care if you run eight dribble handoffs or pick and rolls in a row in a twenty-four second shot clock. Like, let's make sure he takes the next shot, right? Um, and yeah, that you that's that's inexcusable, and that's where Draymond and my point to Andre Iguodala. He's on the floor. Then that's not happening. There's no chance that's happening with him on the floor, right? Because I'll figure something out. I don't care if you set a moving screen and get three fouls in a row. Like. Get him the ball with a chance to, to score. He's one of the best scorers in the league, one of the best shooters in the league. So I think it's useful just to show where they're at in their losing streak and something they need to improve on. That That's inexcusable. That cannot happen um, again for them to continue to try to win games. I mean, you would have thought like literally like Michael Jordan not getting a shot in the fourth quarter. You would have thought how their offense runs that the, the guy just touches the ball constantly. Why he didn't take a shot in that fourth quarter. You know, I didn't watch the game that closely, so I can't I can't say. But it was that's an interesting deal. But you know, like they're on cruise control that offense. They know they it's like the triangle. That split action is like the today's triangle, where like it's just you know it's you know it's off of reads. It's off of it's not really in my opinion not really set. It's just like all right. You know, the passer is going to, you know, they dictate. He's, he's either going to set the screen for the guy in the perimeter or someone's going to set a flare for him or he's going to cut, you know, and, and, and there's going to be some action out of that. You would think that just the way watching their offense for so many years that, like, it's just a normal thing that, all right, let's get, you know, let's get Steph a shot either on a dribble handoff, on a cut. He'll set a screen, come back to a pick and roll, something. It was just, it, that's a weird deal that he didn't take a shot in the fourth. 
Yeah, and just young guys that don't don't really still haven't figured it out. Not not knowing that 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 would even they probably wouldn't even know that he didn't take a shot till they saw a stat sheet or someone told him in the game. So you got to know that as a young and just young. It's not I'm not blaming them. It's a, they'll they'll get that they'll get that experience um, as as they grow. But that's something you just got to know. All right, next one. Stephen Adams leads the league in offensive rebounds this season with 277 which is 67 more than the next guy. His 18.0 offensive rebound percentage is the second highest in the last 24 seasons, bro. Useful, useless. I think it's useful. It's just he's a hell of a rebounder. He's a, you know, um, he doesn't really do a lot. Like, he used to score more, and he used to be a little bit better on that end of it, you know, but now he's just totally, especially on the offensive rebounding piece. Like, when I study offensive rebounders, he's in, in today's game. He's one of the first guys I study because he's so good at like rolling, not getting it. And he probably doesn't get it because he's got Moran on his team, but he'll roll it and then he'll just like get to the inside on somebody in offense that like in box out for the offensive rebound. He's not one of those guys who just gets up and gets it. He's not that that much of an athlete like that, but he's so smart. He's like Dennis Rodman like. As far as as far as his preparation, doesn't look at the ball when the ball leaves somebody's hand. He just gets to a spot and tries to win that battle of getting inside position. It's pretty it's pretty cool to watch as far as how he operates. I think it's useful. It just goes to show you how valuable he is in, on that end of the game. What's your what's your take, folks? Yeah, useful man. He's he's a beast down there. He's 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 hard to keep off the board. He um. Out of that dunker position on one side of the board or the other, he'll carve out that whole side. He's very, very Zach Randolph-ish with his positioning and his strength. Um, he's kind of sneaky athletic too, but he's just he's just got a, such a low center of gravity. Um, he's I don't think he's a seven foot. I think he's just six eleven, or maybe he's just seven foot. But he's 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 kind of really thick legs oh, yeah. and torso, and he's just a beast down there. So he's he's strong. I've had some good wrestles with him, fellow New Zealander, and hopefully he plays for his national team. They they could really use him. But um, yeah, definitely a useful stat, and he's providing the the paint brunt that I think they need on that team to make a deep playoff push. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that goes. Last one, I had to put a Dallas guy in for, for our Dallas Crony Pro. Uh, Luka Doncic <laughs> uh-huh. in February, Pro. <clears throat> 34.7 points, 10.3 rebounds, 8.8 assists, 41% from three on 9.7 attempts. He's the first player to average 30, 10, and 8 on 40% three-point shooting in a month since the three-point era. Useful or useless? Oh, you know I'm going useful on that. Shit, that's pretty fucking good. I mean, since he's lost that weight and kept it off consistently, I mean, the guy's been a terror. He's been he's been really tough. He's been real, I mean, like really tough. So I, I would say, I mean, he's been putting up huge numbers and they're winning. He's basically the only big time player they have and is just getting it to work. I think it's definitely useful. What do you think? Yeah, useful. He's balling, man. Um, he's he's playing really, really well, really, really well, and um, he's just yeah. He's he's watching a few of his games. Just he gets to his spot, and he's not the quickest guy. He's, he's strong for a guard, and he definitely carves out space with the, with a slight little shoulder or whatever. But just watching him, his ball handling seems to have gotten a little better too. He's really, really putting it down on the floor, crossing people up, and multiple crossovers. But he just gets to his spot. Um, whether it takes him eight seconds or two seconds, he's going to get to the spot he wants to get to. He's going to shoot over you. And um, he was really impressive in those those two wins out of Golden State. I watched those two games and uh, really, really enjoying the season he's having. So, like you said, he's just going to put together a, a season where he comes in 
into shape from the start, um, and I think they're 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 probably first in the West. <laughs> you know, if he, if he did, or at least second behind Phoenix if he came back in in a relative decent shape. But um, he's been fun to watch, and I think the league is in in a real good spot with these young superstars and in Luca and Morant coming up. Um, as the faces of the league in the next couple of years, I think um, we're in we're in good hands. There'll be a lot of good battles to watch. It's funny he gave me a lot of shit his rookie year about uh, international players taking over the league, and I said, "Fuck no, they're not taking over the league." But god damn it, he fucking he's right. I mean, three out of the top four or five players in the league are Euros. I mean, international. I mean, with uh, with no, Giannis, no him and yeah, Jokic. It's, it's getting like that. Yeah, it's pretty. Yep. But him. You know his ability to his size, his his vision, and his ability to change speeds. And let's be honest, inside a half court, I mean anywhere inside a half court, he's a threat to make a shot. Now he might go one for twenty seven, but that one shot will be fucking a dagger. And you know he's a dangerous fucking player. But those those numbers he's putting up are ridiculous. I didn't even notice him. I mean I noticed him, but I didn't put it together as far as the averages. That's it's pretty. That's pretty crazy. All right, fact or fake news, folks. I'm going to change one up because we already talked about it. All right? And, yeah, I know I'm, I'm, I'm pulling a pulling a fast one Ooh. on you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, the second one was a question about the WNBA and the chartering flight. We've already answered it. So I'm going to throw one at you. It's not not necessarily a softball, but it's, it's all right. First one is now there's a story in the media that, that James Harden really left because he thought that they were going to match up with Toronto in the first round of the playoffs. And that's why he really left because of the, the vaccine stuff and Kyrie and not having full, you know, full team. And he was gone. Now, fact or fake news. Did James Harden really leave <laughs> the fucking the fucking Brooklyn Nets oh. because of the fact that he thought he was going to play Toronto in the first round, even though the see the the playoffs are not starting for another twenty games. Fact or oh, fake man, news? Uh, as hard as fake news can go. Like, well, I don't even know why he'd say that. Num- number one, like he's trying to make himself like he's trying to shift the blame. It's Kyrie's fault. Like being selfish. Like so. So what would happen if Kyrie or KD got hurt, were hurt for the season? Then what? <laughs> They're not going to Toronto anyway, right? Like KD is KD's literally hurt. I just came back. So so if one of your players got an injury. I'm jumping shit. Fuck you guys. <laughs> like, that's basically what he said, right? Like, oh, it's f- fake news. I don't, I don't even know who thinks of this shit, whether that was his agent or his PR people, but absolutely horrendous story. Um, fake news as you can get. Easily the worst fact or fake news question I've served up since we started the fact or fake news segment. So my apologies, but I had to ask because I thought that that story was the biggest piece of bullshit that I've read on on Hoops Hype in a long fucking time. I just thought that was complete bullshit and nonsense. All right. Terrible. Second question. Now, I think we've covered this before, but Zion, we've, we talked a little bit about Zion tonight. Zion will be moved this offseason by the New Orleans Pelicans. Fact or fake news? Ooh. I mean, if I was the GM, I would. But, but your crystal ball. Fake news. Yeah, your crystal ball. Fake news. Yeah, fake news. Just because I, I just don't think they have the balls to do it. I would do it. I mean, I think they got they've got some great pieces to build around in McCollum and Ingram. I would move him, get something back, get some maybe some more young guys back, or with another kind of mid tier star, a la Dinwiddie, someone like that. 
um, with some picks, I would do it. Yeah, so I would do it, but I don't think they will, so I'll fake news it. I'll fake news it because I think they want these guys to play together at least for a little bit and see what's up. You know how it is, Bogues. Like, and the same thing, which I didn't understand why it didn't work in Brooklyn, where why not just try it out, try it for a full year and see where the fuck you go and see where you're at. Look, they've got all the power in New Orleans. Like, they could move them if they want, but, like, they're not in a rush to move him. They could keep him. He's not going to say no. He, I mean, he'd be the first guy ever to say no to a rookie extension, a max rookie extension, since I, I believe the rule came in, came about. So, like, why not just try them together? You know, Ingram, CJ, him, they're role players. They got all those picks, uh, you know, from L.A. Like, why not try and see what the, you know, what you got? I think they'll keep Has him. To, oh, you- has to be the probably doesn't need to be at the five if you've got Valentunas actually shooting more threes actually. Um, but if Valentunas wasn't their roster, I think it has to be at the five. Um, but yeah, with Valentunas there, I think you can play those two four five. Um, but I, I still think Zion's going to excel in small ball lineups at the five spot. But whether he does that or not, who knows? So I would agree with that. Like I'd like to see them play together with a healthy Zion. I just think he's, I think he's been one foot out the door for you know, months on months on months before this season started. Now with this injury and being overweight and all that kind of stuff, I just don't think he wants to be there. I think he wants to get out. And I think um, if I was New Orleans, the reason why I would do it is because his value is probably not too high, but it's not as low as it can be. If it gets to a point where he plays that season next year, halfway through says, I want out, it's Philly Brooklyn all over again, right? It's, you know, Zion's going to hold the cards and then New Orleans is just going to get stuck with whatever they're given. Yeah, I think sometimes with this stuff, though, Bogues, it's the amnesia if it just that starts rolling and they start winning. I don't know if they're going to be that great with them, but, like, I don't know how good they're going to be with them. Who knows? I'm not a huge Zion fan. I don't think he really shifts the needle for you as a winning player, as your best player. But now if they're sort of like – we talked about Detroit Pistons last what, last uh, last week about – how they won a championship and they didn't really have a great, great, great player on the team. I'm not saying they're a championship team by any stretch, but maybe they excel with everybody sort of doing their part and no one's really your best player. It's just collectively, you know, on the floor together, working together and, and playing your strengths. Um, but I think Zion with that team, the way he impacts the game in his own way and with CJ shooting and, and with Ingram shooting and then, you know, um, you know, Valanciunas is shooting and things like that. You could sort of do some things. You said the small ball lineup, that makes sense. You know, and then they've got some good role players and, you know, Willie Green's done a good job. I think he's getting better as the as the weeks go on. So uh, it'll be interesting. I don't think they move him. I think they figure it out. They're, his dad's a piece of work. He wants him gone. Um, I just read a book. Um, do you know Merle Code, Bogues, by any chance? I do actually, yeah. Yeah, so with Nike. He, Those are the Nike when so I was there. So Merle yeah. Code, he's a you know he he lived in Chicago for a long time, and he ran those Nike camps that I was at for a long time. And Merle just wrote a book, you know, because he's not with Nike anymore, and he was with Adidas. He came down with that whole scandal thing, um, serving three months in jail, I think, coming up. And he wrote a book about the sort of his career and sort of all the black market shit that happens behind the scenes. And they have like a like they open it up about Zion and his dad and how Adidas had to give his dad like sixty grand to coach a team created this team with his son on it and uh, 
they sort of go into Zion's deal. It's pretty interesting. I would, I would, I would tell anybody to pick it up. I read the thing in like two days, but it's uh, pretty interesting. But they go into Zion a lot. Always, always picked you as a, always picked you as an audio book type. Oh right? no doubt, I am for sure. I'm not that fucking bright. It takes me an hour to make minute rice. <laughs> it takes me three hours to fucking watch sixty minutes. I'm not very bright. But that one, I just, you know, I, I like books like that because those. Are, he, he mentioned a lot of players that like that I sort of grew up with as far as like in my career. So. Pretty interesting shit, but I'm not very bright. You're right, right over that, Bogues. All right, last one, Bogues. So as we were talking, it just came over. Woj hit it uh, in the media about there's uh, a debate with the Lakers right now, and it's getting out about bringing Westbrook off the bench. All right, so they're they're in they're in discussions daily about it. Maybe on the hour, who knows? Forget about if it's going to happen or not, because. It's going to happen, in my opinion, right? So forget about if it's going to happen or not. In your professional opinion, Bogues, the Los Angeles Lakers are a lot better team with Westbrook coming off the bench. Fact or fake news? Uh, well, fact, I think they'll get better. Because <laughs> they can't get worse. I, I've said from the start, you can't, LeBron and Westbrook on the court together, it's just not going to work. LeBron needs shooters out there with him at the guard spots. And... It's been like that with him from day dot. You know, he likes to have guys that can shoot the ball next to him. And he, you know, he's a primary ball handler as well. So is Russ. It was, just, it was, it was you know, two media was colliding, right? So I think if you bring him off the bench, when LeBron comes out, you bring, maybe you bring him in the six minute mark, he plays two or three with LeBron, then LeBron comes out, then you turn it over. Hey, Russ, do your thing. Try to get a triple double, you know, for, for in, in your minutes, right? Um, I think that makes sense because it's not what's going on right now is not working. I don't think it's Russ's fault neither. I think it's just it's Palinka's fault, the Lakers' fault, the front office's fault. Horrible decision making, horrible oh. recruiting, clutch, horrible picker teams. Clutch's fault. Or clutch, yeah, clutch, yeah, and clutch, yeah, yeah, clutch. Clutch is obviously a major shareholder of the Lakers, so <laughs> I think it's all their fault, and I think I think it will. It's not Russ's fault where he should be punished, but he's going to be the odd man out. They're already scapegoating him like this whole season is his fault, um, which isn't fair either. I don't think it is. Um, he has his issues, but I don't think this is his fault. I think it's definitely a roster makeup. So um, I think fact, I think they would be a little bit better, um, but yeah, we'll, we'll wait and see. What do you think? I, I think it's. I think it's fact. I think that he they'll be better with him coming off the bench. I think he's just not an efficient player, and it's in his DNA. He's never been an efficient player. He needs the ball in his hands, and he, I mean, in his heyday, he was ridiculous with just coming at you and not stopping. He was a bulldog like that, and he never – he was relentless with his approach. And I think he still is, but I think it's his DNA – like as a team, the team's not really well constructed. We all know that. We're not going to go into that. But I just think that you bring him off the bench, you stagger them, and then you you close with him. But I think you try to get him is like twenty. Like we talked about this with Porzingis last year. You know, in my opinion, was bring you know don't have him play with Luca as much as he can. They'll play a little bit, but then you close with him and Luca on the floor. But in the flow of the game, try to get maximize some of his minutes, most of his minutes away from LeBron. Let him do his thing and just say, hey, you know, get us 25. But I mean, the guy's the guy's shooting in the gutter. He's almost at four turnovers a game. He's not shooting the ball well. Obviously, we see all the sh- you know shots on the side of the backboard and all that. It's just really a, you know, it's really a tough deal. I mean, the guy's 
you know, the guy's putting up numbers, but he's shooting 43, 28, and 67 with four blocks. I mean, four turnovers. I mean, you can't – and then playing with LeBron who needs the ball and AD who needs the ball and, you know, the, the, no, the no shooting, the turnovers. You know, he's not very good defensively. But if you, if you just shoot him out of a cannon coming off the bench – and say, Russ, do your thing. You're going to close the game anyway. You're going to get your 30 minutes, but we're just going to get it in a different way. Um, I think they're better. I don't know if they're so much better, but I think they are better. Give them a different look. But you know how this shit's going to be, folks. Stephen A. Smith and this guy and that guy, and they're just going to be wailing about it for the next two or three days. Ah, fuck, two or three weeks, you know, about it or until it happens. It's, it's a little crazy. Oh, let's not get it twisted. They're not winning a championship by making this adjustment, and they're not—they're not moving into the eight by making this adjustment. They're, 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 I think it's—it's it's worth rolling the dice and trying. Shit, it's worth just starting five guards at this point. <laughs> just start five guards and don't start a center. I mean, start five centers and don't start a guard. I don't know. Like try whatever, whatever you want to try. Try it. This is the time. You're not, you know, and um, it's it just Vogel's definitely out at the end of this season. He's going to be scapegoated too by reports. So it just sucks to see it all fall apart like this, but. It will be interesting to see what, what they what they try to do to rebuild even next season because there's not a lot they can do with that roster. So um, we'll watch that space. But uh, I mean, and then will Russ buy into that? Will he will he will he come off the bench grumpy and you know all that kind of stuff? So there's a lot to watch in that space, and we're going to hear about it, like you said, for for the next week, pro. So we'll watch that. All right, that's episode 56. Thanks everyone for joining us. We're in the books once again million plus listens we really appreciate everyone's support at Hoop Consultants for Pro and Andrew Bogut at Rogue Bogues give us a follow share tell everyone about how fun bad shit good this podcast is and we'll see you next week Pro